you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. All right, so hi, Alan, how are you? uh, Hey, through the miracle of modern relentless geekery technology, we are three time zones apart, and yet... uh, this sure sounds like it's in real time. So thank you, digitization and electrons, you know, for making this miracle. It's kind of funny around the world. It seems that people do conferences with with India, right? You 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 know regularly people talk with folks in the Middle East and the Far East and Europe, and it yeah. just is like making a phone call. And I just think that's really cool. <laughs> I, I I really kind of feel I've let the geek cred down. I've got an Oculus, and I haven't done one of these on the oculus yet uh you can you know hook into your uh desktop you can hook into zoom now so i, I really need to do one with the oculus you know that's very cool i'll, I'll tell you, you know, it's funny i know we have a list of things you want to talk about but <laughs> never <laughs> it's it's i just started reading ready player two um oh. you know there's a as you know there's a very cool book ready player one by ernest klein if i remember right yeah. that was made into a great movie one of those great uh, Roger Rabbit type movies where Steven Spielberg is the guy that like nobody in Hollywood and video games and everywhere wants to say no to the guy because they know that he's so talented and that he will treat your creations with respect. So if you saw that movie, it was every video game character ever, ever, especially in the climactic battle where it was, look at, I kind of pause the screen like every second to just (laughs) not miss everything that's going on. Well, this is it. I, um, what a wonderful sequel. It's one of those things where within the first like five pages, you immediately go, I'm in, I'm back in this world and I want to see what happens next. And, and it's just kind of like a video game. Just when you think you've you're like, um, conquered and, and completed the quest, oh, here's a hidden room off to the side. And then here's another riddle and another prize to pursue. And so he's so good at capturing like what makes those video games so addictive and playable computer games etc is there's always unceasing um incremental advances and new mysteries and and but that what you've learned and used and you use your current armor and go forward and you hope that that's going to be enough to go to level n plus one and just already like he's very culturally uh uh referencing everything you know what i mean here's phrases you use from TV and here's some video games. And here, it's just, they're a delight. You know, that's part of the joy of reading them is it's not only, oh, what a good mystery or boy, that really is a um, a tough situation to be in. It's that you really are just like, this is my youth. This is my now. This is, it's really cool how he weaves all this together. Right. So if, one day we'll get him as a guest and like fawn all over him. That because be awesome. you know, <laughs> I was going to say, anyone that hasn't read that book and listens to this podcast is really doing themselves a disservice. It it is Absolutely. so, it, it's an easy read. It flows nicely. There's no real boring parts. It, it's a future that we can see, we talk about, but it's 
like a video game and he he pulls in everything from the 80s without making it feel like it's just you know trying to screw it all in to get as many references as possible it, it fits perfectly exactly and and you know to kind of come back around the reason that i wanted to reference that book is because of what you just said when you talk about you know wearing your oculus rig in order to do this kind of video right. conferencing so much of the book is based on you know getting into a, a an advanced haptic rig where you really do get feelings and sensations and your avatar uh, much matches your movements well one no spoilers but you know the, the very first thing that happens in this book is the um, Halliday, the uh, main scientist slash wizard of the previous book that had created Oasis and all this kind of stuff, it's revealed to him that he was working on an even more advanced uh, interface where it really is like, you know, um, brain interface without having to drill holes in your head. And so <laughs> that simulated artificial reality, immediately he starts talking about, well, look how cool this is. It's not that I'm like when you go to for a power up, you just get, you know, a little charge of, but this, you can really like taste the food, drink the wine, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, how addictive that would be. You can record those things and you can, you know, go. Um, and this has been even, it's kind of funny while he's doing it. He's also referencing where, well, what did they get some of these ideas from because of um, these movies that had kind of predicted, you know, right when, uh, Sterling talked about it. Uh, um, Gibson talked about it. You know the the growth of cyberspace and and what kinds of simulations. And right. I I, <laughs> I think Dennis Miller is the guy that made a quote that I often use, where he goes, you know, when we really get artificial reality to be where like any pipe fitter guy can dream of having Claudia Schiffer as a romantic partner, that's going to make crack look like Sanka. You know what I mean? That if you really, that if you really want to be like, I can go surfing, I can go skydiving, I can, you know, all of course the love slash lust components of that, just all the experiences. And what will that do when right. you're addicted to that? You're going to not, you're going to do that instead of all your mundane life. And you're going to be like, well, wow, if I can have that experience without the personal risk of standing on the edge of a volcano or jumping out of a plane, you really might get kind of like the matrix where everybody's just sitting with a headset on and, and you're like a human battery. You know what I mean? Your muscles of atrophy. And I'm not far enough into the book to see that, but already some of the references are, it's not only this great technology that allows for doctors to do their work everywhere to, to share experiences, but also the addictive nature of being yeah. able to have all that available to you. And for so little cost and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so, everyone will look like the, uh, the people on the cruise ship from Wally yes. won't be able to move. And exactly, you know, you you've given up your physical life because hey, the virtual life is so much better, so and, much and, more appealing. And it goes back to you know, you've heard that your brain can't distinguish the difference between fantasy and reality. So if you really had it fooled to the point where you had all the sensations, then isn't that reality? Which goes back to some of the supernatural stuff people are going around that. We aren't in a real world that this is a matrix reality. This is that, a simulation and this is our lair. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. I was just reading like a hundred accounts people wrote in about of glitches in the matrix that they've lived through and can't explain. <laughs> and some of them are like, okay, yeah, whatever. That one you could explain. But there were a few, it's like, wow, that's a little bit freaky. And, you know, and after reading so many of them, 
you kind of like maybe we really are living in a matrix world. <laughs> you know i am somebody's simulation right well it, it, it's kind of funny you know we know that our brains aren't perfect they don't remember perfectly they do so so much of when you hear about amazing brain experiences like an uh an after death but came back experience i don't have much uh belief because that's what it takes in the supernatural but i know that your brain is an amazing thing but if it goes on tilt and and your brain had odd electrical activity what would it do to interpret that somehow so that you didn't just go on tilt forever shut down right. you'd say oh there was a white light and so much what i envisioned of heaven maybe that's what i'm going to see because that's what i had kind of prepped my brain to do etc cetera, etc cetera. so it, that I'm waiting to see. One of the interesting things is that, of course, there's a limitation. You can't wear this ring for more than 12 hours because it does like overload your brain. It overstimulates you. Well, we'll see. I haven't, I'm not far enough into the book to see when they start to have those statistics of old cyber cafes full of husks of people who couldn't come out of right. this beautiful, beautiful thing, didn't want it, to. You well, know what I mean? Well, also. <laughs> I, I got two thoughts. So one, you know, we're still learning and exploring how time, how time fits into uh, yeah. the rest of the world. We, we still don't quite understand time and how that works. Yeah. And we, we do know that our brain can interpret time differently in different situations and circumstances. We've all experienced it, you know, right. something that goes by uh, in like three seconds, and, but it, everything slows down. We've all said that, right? Everything things dilates and speed up. Exactly yeah. that. That's right. So yeah. we know computers work much faster than we can, but if they were directly wired into our brain, how fast could they work? How many lives could you live before breakfast? You know, <laughs> like the army, you know, we do exactly. more in a day, you know? Yeah. It's, I, I don't know if I've made reference to this. One of my favorite series from WoW must be 30 years ago now is The Many Colored Land. It's by Julian May, and it's um, the setting is we're in the far future, and um, the world is perfect. It's everybody gets fed, everybody gets uh, educated, it, everybody is peaceful. But even in this paradise, this utopia, there are some people that just don't fit in. They are um, too independent, too cantankerous, too criminal, whatever else it might be. Warlocks. And they're they're I, I guess you know what I mean they're well, they're given a choice to. Um, kind of be lobotomized and be made to fit into this society, or we can send you back through a wormhole to the Pleistocene epoch of the earth, and you'll be you'll have all the freedom that you want. It just isn't going to be anywhere near this world. It's going to be that proto-earth, you know, that early. So a number of them decide, I, I need to be me, whatever odd doesn't fit in me. And so they they go back to the earth. And of course, the society that this thousands of misfits create you know they're all too smart and too criminal and too you know what i mean how do, how do they build something that's going to work when their instinct is to to be either off on their own or to be abusive of others or whatever else it might be to be only an artist i don't care about the rest of the world all i want to do is paint and and so part of what they do in that series is we're going to send you back we we don't we're still uh, not wanting to condemn you to death you know if you're just a, a 
modern person, you know nothing of how to plant a crop, how to churn butter, how to you know, fix a wound. So they have a technology where they can just kind of give you lots of learning quickly. So that time dilation of you don't need to go to college for four years and get all this like, like they kind of inject into you. Okay, now you know all about wound care. Now you know all about clean water and, and that kind of thing. So at, if that kind of thing was available, I'd Love that. Oh I'd love to say, I'm going to go climb mountains. And I know that some part of it, of course, is to be in shape and be able to do that. But to be able to learn quickly, here's how to read a rock face. And this looks secure and this does not. And how to watch weather patterns. And I I but, would love that fast learning and just load it in. You know what I mean? you get those people that would learn it and still say, yeah, that's not true. That's false. Uh, they're just <sighs> trying to put their agenda on me. Or you'd get the hackers that would get in there and put their own little stuff in there to twist it and learn it so you right, just right. create the problems bigger you, and, right. you know you mentioned something a minute ago and, and i've been thinking about this lately i had an uh, of course another idea for a set of stories um that i i'm rethinking the words paranormal and supernatural because there's too much baggage with them now and i've been saying for a while that if you just take anything that's paranormal as something we just don't understand science yet. It, it puts a different spin on it. And, you know, we've talked about that okay. several times. Yeah. It goes along with the time issue too. But I've been thinking after reading that glitch in the matrix stuff that mm -hmm. maybe, again, all these things we see that we think are paranormal are some science stuff that we're getting close to learning and understanding totally puts a different spin on any of it. Like, shadow people that's one of the big things people you know, i saw a shadow person this just totally black look out at me and and it's like why are they always looking around corners you know but, <laughs> but maybe it's it, you know we know there are other universes and dimensions nasa has shown that maybe you know these scientific sci-fi books are close to true we're kind of merging right. into one there's a weak spot maybe this is scientists in Where they talk dimension. about that. This is a weak spot, a membrane between the universe. Yeah. Things can push through a little bit differently than if it was just very separate right. vibrational planes, dimensions, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So okay. maybe in other places, scientists have discovered how to talk to the air and we are like this close. So they're monitoring us. And that's why we see more stuff going on because it's really just how our universe and our brains interpret something elsewhere you know it's that old if, if a 2d world had a 3d hand it would just look like five circles it wouldn't be there you hand, go you know exactly so it's yeah. how we're interpreting it so it, it, i mean you know colin rolls his eyes at me and i'm like but it's science fiction <laughs> that's how it works you know right people thought oh a communicator yeah right let's see that work hello we have cell phones you know so right Right. If, if anything, I mean, there's great science fiction that's that's written just about that, that not only what do we extrapolate into the future, but if we here in the now were to think of going back to the 1700s, what gods we would appear to be, 1700, right. 1500, 1000, you know, having a lighter, being able to like make fire, whoa, you know, and that that's almost the stereotype, you know, the whole Indian nation would worship you down in, in Inca land if you could, you know, if right. you, but, but there's so much just there's a lot to be made of that kind of time displacement and how if you take modern things and go backwards or forwards, they seem antiquated or they seem miraculous. Right. And we're always doing that. We're always moving forward, or at least that's our vision of time. Right, <laughs> so right. What if it started to 
kind of bend back on itself. There's many good books about that, you know, that. Um, and, 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 you know, again, if you can think about it, then how close to true really is it? You know, again, I always bring up Star Trek about that. How yeah. many things in Star Trek are we now doing? Uh, do we have? Uh, and that it predicted or any other Asimov, of course, you got to bring up Asimov. He only wrote 4,000 stories. He right, had to right. get it right occasionally, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that's the thing. It, it, we learn more, uh, you know, if you go back, like you said, 300 years, what science has changed? What do we know about the world that's new and different from 300 years ago? So what will it be in 300 years? So you, again, you can't dismiss that if we say there are other universes we can detect you can't dismiss that in uh, 300 years we'll have figured out a way to travel to those and How to at least communicate with if not yeah. go forward yeah exactly go into those things exactly that's you know that uh, again uh, the the star trek thing there's so many uh how do you what's the let's see another great let's see okay one of the main designers of the first uh, uh, macintosh has a great quote along the lines of the best way to predict the future is to create it. You know what I mean? That, that, that you, and uh, Star Trek has many examples of that, that whatever they thought they were just writing so that they'd have the easy way of doing quick medical diagnosis or quick transport with a teleporter and stuff like that. Then someone sees that and goes, you know, we really should strive for that. That's not only a great, plot device that's like what an ideal world that would be to like eliminate distance or to right. you know what i mean not and and so we we have you know your the, the watch that i wear how much of the function of a tricorder does that have it can watch my my you know uh, watch out for atrial fibrillation check my blood glucose whatever kinds of things they're trying to build into these things now and all those technological advances I don't think they're only in a vacuum. I think there's often people that were like, I want to make a lightsaber. I saw Star Wars early and it made such an impression on me that I want to find a way to make coherent light that you know can cut through anything and, and all that kind of thing. So it I I love that idea that by just kind of postulating what it could be like, we actually do create the future. Yeah. We just have to catch up to it. Right. We have to like yeah. develop the technology and make it real. Right. And so yeah, just every time I, you know, I, I just read about you, you can put a thing in your ear and it immediately translates between 20 different languages. What like, isn't that the Babel fish? Babel fish. That, exactly. <laughs> that was a comedy. <laughs> exactly. And honestly, I wonder how many things Douglas Adams, like in, in throwaway, in just making a, a parody of those MacGuffins that are used in science fiction, but somebody said, you know, it'd be great to have um, a babel fish. It'd be great to have a food pill that could taste like anything you wanted and, and had all the nutrition that you needed. I, I don't know. I, I We can jump around all the different comic book and science fiction references where they said it, it'd be great if you start to have cyborg type things that expand your senses. And now you're finding out, well, they kind of have that. This guy has an eye that not only replaces his his poor eye but might be better than the one we have it sees into more you know what i mean more of the spectra it sees further so and you don't wow. even have a hole in the back of your head for people to look through <laughs> did you have one of those <laughs> <laughs> well like you know i, I really i'm kind of like thrilled by this i love the fact that it's not only about fixing various different um handicaps or or whatever the modern term is so that I don't offend anybody, you know what I mean? Right, Different right. people, but that it's actually enhancing. When you see someone running on those cheetah blades and he's running faster than a normal human being, 
wow, they really did figure out how your joints work and how tensile strength can be stored in just the right bow shape so that it it's kind of like whatever shoes they have that have little um, springs in them that make you run just that second faster. Well, this is the next generation. So they make you run three seconds faster. Right. And I kind of wonder, we already, we're going to see in our lifetime, um, my guess, not only are we going to lift the uh, ban on drugs for the Olympics, we're going to see just a ban on every uh, a ban on everything lifted. That you're going to start to have um, differently abled people competing, and if you're really going to be like, who's the best athlete in the world? If it happens to be somebody that has cyborg limbs instead of a human being, and like all of a sudden pole vault now records are getting broken <laughs> because someone has tensile strength in their arms and a sense of balance run by, you know, little microcomputers that are continually able to make sure that they don't do a misstep. I guess it's going to be like, are we going to be robots competing with each other? They're perfectly programmed to do it. But what's going to be, the discussion is no longer going to be, hey, did you blood dope or something like that? It's going to be, what software version are we allowing to go? (laughs) And that, you know, there's going to be people that are going to be hacking themselves. Tolerance limits. Yeah, to, to be able to, I don't, I never get tired. I don't get, you know, I'm running a marathon, but I've enhanced my system so that the, the buildup of lactic acid, I'm just at 10% less and I win. You know right, what I mean? Right. So I'm, and see, I'm kind of looking go. forward to that. I really am looking forward to maybe they're going to be a little bit uh, odd looking, but when you see that this guy can jump 40 feet instead of 36 in the, in the long jump, wow, wow, but, we did it. We figured out how to make a better than human. Well, there, there you go. It's the, the geeks solve and figure out the problems, but, but end up making more because who's going to care and watch the Olympics? Who's going to care and watch football and baseball when, okay, every single guy just got up to bat and they threw the ball at 300 miles an hour and they hit a three mile long run, home run. Who cares anymore? You know, and right, that's just exactly what he programmed that as opposed right. to he had the skill and the training and he put the, the time in right. the, the dedication into doing that. And like you said, why would I want crack or heroin when I can put on my headset and live any life and world I want? Yeah. Who cares about yeah. the drugs anymore? And now <laughs> I've got other health issues and problems, you know? So, yeah. And also, you know, this kind of, there's so much that goes into this. It, you know, we've learned um, like, how do we figure out what might give us better lung capacity? Well, there's conditions right here on the planet that depending on if you grow up at elevation, you do have. Um, better oxygen processing. You have like a different kind of, uh, is it alveola? Uh, the, the air sacs in your lungs, they're just that little bit better percentage. So why do the folks from um, Ethiopia and Kenya regularly win marathons? Because they're out running every day at elevation barefoot. And somehow that's creating this better running machine, but you know, a human machine, obviously. Right. Um, we adapt and say, well, what do we know about how you do scuba diving? And is there anything about that that we could say, Let's give it to a swimmer. Can we make them sleeker? Can we give them better lung capacity? Can we change the joint so that it's a there's less friction, better range of motion, and that they're you know what I mean? There's it's very cool to to me to think of those things. There's a great book by called Man Plus. Wow, this is I don't even know that this is still in print by Frederick Pohl that was about those kinds of enhancements. You know, science fiction has been talking about this for a long time. When you go, if you start to colonize the the solar system and what are the real children of someone who lives on the moon or Jupiter or something like that? They've got gravity, they've got different atmosphere. Are they, what's their body type? What's their lung capacity? What's their, you know, how how do they respond to solar 
uh, activity when the atmosphere is different. It'd be very interesting. And, and of course, some of the books go into, well, is that going to make, wow, miraculous, the family of humanity is expanding everywhere? Or is it going to be, oh, those Jupiterians are not like us, and then there's going to be prejudice. And well, then they try to, you know. <laughs> I, I've said that before, too, just like Star Trek. When you go to other planets, you're no longer from Ohio in the United States. You're from Earth, and everybody's from <laughs> Earth. You know, again, right. we're solving that red prejudice and racist problem on our planet because we have other planets now, but we've created that racist and prejudice against other planets. And I made that joke uh, when all this was coming out with, uh, you know, same-sex marriage and all that. And I'm sure. like, all, you know, all we got to do is wait because right now that's the problem. Oh, we don't want our sons marrying each other. We don't want our daughters marrying each other. Okay, well, that's not going to be a problem when it becomes, oh no, you can't marry a Martian. Uh-uh. No, you, right. you got to be an earthling to marry. Scale, we don't care what. That's yeah, right. <laughs> as long as they're from Earth, what they look like or their gender, whatever, just be from Earth, not Mars. And then it's going to be, no, 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 someone from Seoul, not from Alpha Centauri. You cannot date. So, you know, Absolutely. and then it's another dimensions. Like, so again, just wait. The problem will go away and we'll have a new problem. Uh, and, or, or or that it'll be like, it's not a problem. You know, one of the, one of the absolute um the biggest things that Roddenberry put into there was that in the future, it really will be one race compared to the Klingons and the Romulans and the, and the, you know, all the others that humanity will realize, no, we're much more alike than different. Right. And in that galactic way, at least, you know, that kind of thing. And so all that will fall away. When you look at the crew, of course, it's, you know, it's not a matter of black and white and, and yellow and red and whatever else it might be. It's a matter of, oh, they happen to have a, a Vulcan, at least a half Vulcan there. Right. And, and, and that in the various different series progresses. And it's funny, you know, one of our conceits and Star Trek's things was, well, I don't know why every single species in the in the known universe is bipedal, that they're all human shaped instead of, oh, this is my jello gloop friend, and this right. is my tentacle friend, and you know what I mean? That yeah. kind of thing. This is my non-carbon based, he's made from silicon, et cetera, et cetera. So it I I love the fact that they said you know, what we just talked about, that prejudice will fall away on Earth because those differences will seem smaller and pettier and sillier compared to wow, someone that really grew up under a red sun instead of a yellow sun. And what does right. that mean for their their physical composition? And why would we keep caring about appearance as much? If, if what's getting us to the stars is not, do I have a bicep, but do I have a brain that enables that? You'd think that that's going to be the, the beauty of a person is what's their mind like? Not and I, you know, but having said that, how can we get away from that? We still want to breed. Human beings still find certain things attractive, right. male and female and other. And and you know, there's all kinds of differentiation there, as opposed to, I don't know, that that thing of we are wonderful creatures that uh, there's a well, thin layer, a thin veneer of civilization on top of all of our animal nature. <laughs> and so what's Star Trek is about territoriality, about a, about wandering. It's not only about creating a, a nice universe. It's we're still combative. We're, you know what I mean? Right. You don't get away from your animal nature at all we, fully. <laughs> we just need to embrace Riker's attitude. I mean, he slept with anybody from any planet. He didn't exactly. care. You know? I wonder hey. what this would be like. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he's the, he's the James Bond gigolo of space. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so speaking of all this tech, good news. I got my computer up and running. Up uh, and running. Okay. But I have no idea why. Uh, I <laughs> tore it down and tried each piece and put things back and I could not get it 
working. So I took it to Micro Center. I said, you guys see if you can figure it out. I, I don't know. And okay. the tech called me and I was talking like, look, man, I told him what was happening. He's like, okay, uh, I, I, I'm going to take it a piece at a time. I'll probably call you to keep you updated. And okay. he called me back and said, okay, without touching anything, I checked all the connections and you're right. Everything's plugged in correctly, but it's not lighting up. And he's like, I have no idea why. Okay. He's, a couple hours later, he calls back and says, okay, I tore it all down, put it all back. It's running beautifully. He's like, everything passes. It's good. He's like, but I couldn't tell you why. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> How weird is that? Yeah. So it's, it's good validation that you had done everything just as he would have done it. But it was just the act of taking it apart and reseating everything even Something. more carefully. Somehow I, that magic it. What a, yeah. you know, oh boy. Yeah. I'm, but, I'm happy for you, but it's, it's frustrating to be like, now I know in case it goes on the fritz, what to do to fix it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, you know, okay. but I'm like, yeah, okay. At least I got a working system. Um, okay. And it's fast. Oh my gosh, is it fast? I mean, Wonderful. it boots in like three seconds and that's from a cold start. Um, yeah. And I have Thunderbolt abilities on the motherboard. So very good. Okay. Yeah. Cause that, that's also like 300, you know what I mean? I, that and number raw numbers never mean anything, but they're proportionally like this is three times faster, 10 times faster than right. what you're used to getting with USB, ABC or, or previous yeah. standard and stuff like that. So yeah, it's got USB C connectors too. Uh, 3.3, uh, you know, and then also USB C. So I, you know, of course now I'm getting it all set up and, <laughs> you know, the, the, oh, great windows setup. So now I have to download the updates. Now I have to do this. And I'm like, okay, I put something on, I'm checking. Okay, great. I went back and come back. It's like, it's done. And I'm like, holy crap. How is that done already? You know, it was just, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. We, we, uh, talking about this is kind of like, you know, hot rod magazine type stuff. Yeah. You know? and yet I had that same impression when I first got my uh, M1 Mac mini and same thing was like, okay, let's not really plug it in, but let's make sure we do the system updates and things that used to be go get a cup of coffee 35 minutes later or something like that. It was like, Oh, how, how, you know, the connect connectivity is that much faster. It actually can make use of fast connectivity that I've always had in terms of my um, fiber to the home. Right. But now that I've got the port and the cable and that, right. all that happens. Um, the uh, I run parallels to give me Windows emulation on this guy. And I keep my Windows updated even more, not even more, but uh, very consistently like I do with the Mac, because the Windows is even more often attacked. You know what I mean? So whenever right. I run my, my updates, and same thing, it was like, okay, I'm going to set this to go here, and then I'll go do something else. And then, well, darn it, it distracted me by telling me it's already done. I was okay over here for a while. So it's cool when technology advances quickly enough that it's noticeable. So many things are, you know, evolutionary incremental advances. But once in a while, there's the combination of all those things. It's like, wow, I'm impressed. And I've been doing this for 40 years. You know what I mean? How did it make it so that... Um, I love that. I'm, I'm very happy for you that it was such a, a, Me too. An, a fast thing that it's like a new experience. It kind of revives your your hope in, in, in technology that like, wow, they could really do something that impressed me because right. I thought I was getting kind of jaded. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. And I upgraded. I got a 32-inch like curved wraparound screen. Uh, very cool. So okay. if I really want, I could take these two monitors, put them up on the side, and then I got my racing set up. I just got to get my steering wheel and stuff from exactly. Micro Center next. Where it actually goes to the limits of your peripheral vision. So yes. really 3D surround, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. That's, they have a I nice... Have, I have 
uh, sorry, they have a nice racing rig to do that at Micro Center right now, set up that you can test. Okay. I at home I have my two big monitor set up. I've never gone three because it just there's a little overhead of splitting the signal so you can do it. And then it's one screen but extended instead of separate right. anyway. But when I have been out here in California, you know, a week out of each month for the last eight months now, I was working off my laptop. And after like the first two months, I was just so much missing the screen real estate and the ability to have multiple things that I can glance at. So I'm keeping track of my net presence, my email, my my goofing off, whatever else it might be. So I went and got a, a nice HP screen, you know, I kind of like type in, hey, best cheap large monitor and stuff like that. And this HP4, I think mine's 24 inches, not 32, but it's so nice to have that extra thing for, I can keep my calendar up. I can keep my, all my stuff that I really want to have at my fingertips. Because a lot of what I've been doing out here is not, it's nowhere near single purpose. I really am continually making phone calls or emails or texts that I'm looking to get answers back from. And I kind of want to re- keep keep all that going and doing that where you're flipping amongst windows on a little screen instead of being able to glance amongst things i just work better as if i'm looking at an entire newspaper and picking which article i want to read instead of paging through single pages and then when i want to go back to the one that was three pages ago you know what i mean it just seems cluttery instead of uh easy instead of of efficient so i very much understand the joy of the large screen yes and And i remember Back in the day, my Commodore 64, a 12-inch tube TV that I used, you know? Now right, got, that was like miraculously, what am I going to do with all this space? <laughs> yeah, and one of the cool things, I mean, there's always updates, things going on, you know, especially the browsers, they're always competing. But uh, Edge just added the ability to take all your tabs and put them down on the left, and then it collapses, Instead of a bar. See, that's cool too. Yeah. And I'm finding that that's working pretty good. I like how that does that because I always have tabs open, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If if it's also, I, I don't, I don't get how people really run their life off of their phone. It just is not enough for me. You know what I mean? And and if if that's what you grew up with, and this is, I um, just read an interesting article and you and I have laughed about it, that what technology is um, good, appropriate. It's pretty much, was it around when I was born or soon thereafter? Or is it like, you know, what you grow up with is familiar and things newer than that, like a lot newer, oh, that's witchcraft, that's bad. And things a lot older, oh, that's antiquated, that's crap. And and I, I try not to be like that. I watch black and white movies. I use both my phone and my laptop and my, my desktop rig, I think kind of interchangeably. But I know I have my preferences and I don't think it's only based on speed. It really is based on like, what did I, I've always liked more room because my mind works better when I can glance at yes. various different things and choose where to turn my focus instead of, you know, you've seen, I, I, I see people that really quickly flip through things and they have that wonderful little flip, flip, flip that they're looking at things and deciding what do I want to look at next? And this thing of flipping instead of glancing is much more uh, natural, instinctive. It's how they first learned. So they, it doesn't even get in their way. They don't right. consider it to be a downside like I do. And yet, I don't know when I, Hey, someone made a huge movie that they're going to show in a movie theater and somehow scaling that down to this big. Yeah. That seemed like unfair. Like the movie doesn't want you to see it that way. He wants you to have the big rumbling speaker experience yes. of it instead of no matter how good the speakers are getting in a phone, they can't 
rumble your chest. You know what I mean? That's physics. <laughs> well, you until know? you put oh. the, the haptic <laughs> feedback into your brain on and then you experience, you're living the movie. Right. You know, speaking right. of black and white, did you see the stuff that Disney and Marvel and Star Wars dropped, all the trailers and announcements and stuff? I'm, I'm behind because I've not been paying attention to that. I'm out here taking oh, okay. care of well, getting moving pods and getting realtors. And okay, well, can I drop one on you and, and, and sure. ruin the surprise? Yeah. Next month, next month for Halloween, mm-hmm. they are releasing on Disney Plus a black and white werewolf by night movie. Wow. Yeah, boom, that'll be, right? That'll be very interesting to, to recreate that hammer horror experience. How scary can you get in black and white? And honestly, if you're going to have like werewolves ripping people apart, one of the things you do is don't show red. You know right. what I mean? It's black and white. It'll just be much less. Yeah, yeah. It, wow. And that was yeah. like very well-kept secret. I've not heard a whisper, a whisper about right. that being a possibility. But you know what that really means? Mm-hmm. It is really time to sell that comic. Alan, <laughs> Colin said it, it shot up. So I, I, I think I mentioned, you know, it, um, quick shout out. I use collectors you know, with the Z software that I've Me mentioned too. before. And the source that they were using for their comic values stopped um, letting them use their API. Yeah. So they kind of shopped around maybe a little bit in desperation because there's no way that that software would be able to survive without pro- pro- providing current values and now they have them coming and i don't know why i'm blanking on the name but that's happening this month and i after having probably five months now doing with i had values in there but they were still frozen from what i had been at when that api became unavailable now we're going to start to get values again and it used to be nice to see various different things jockey for position as to is it my amazing fantasy number 15 is it my doctor strange's because the multitude of madness came out and you're right werewolf by night is one of those perfect combinations of it isn't even uh, so both uh, werewolf by night is not werewolf by night number one it first appeared in like marvel spotlight number five or something like that so anytime you have kind of an unheralded origin everybody buys the number ones but if you got a tryout book you don't know whether it's going to be hammer slammers which didn't make it or whether it's going to be werewolf by night which did and same with Moon Knight. Moon Knight appeared in Where Werewolf by Night number 24, 28, something like that, and then got his own title, and then was in Incredible Hulk magazine as a backup feature, which is like, what, what, where, how, why? <laughs> but having said that, it's very cool then to be like, well, because I was a completist, I wasn't trying to buy only the number ones. I bought everything. And then by coincidence, you find out, yep, that Guardians of the Galaxy that was really in Marvel Superheroes number 20, it's scarce. And now it's valuable because everybody wants the first appearance. Right. And I might that it's nice to see those things just skyrocket in value because all the market forces are working in my favor. Right. You know, the movie's coming out. Everybody loves it. It, it. I don't know. The Moon Knight series was really good. So sometimes, I don't know, She-Hulk, Attorney by Law. I don't know that it's getting any new converts. It's entertaining and amusing, but it's not breakthrough entertainment. Yeah, it's not bringing it's that fun. character to the public in a way that I want to be. I want to have every She-Hulk. You know what I mean? So sometimes it works and sometimes it well, actually and, Morbius and, is not flying off the, the shelves because of the Morbius movies. The, you know what I mean? People, <laughs> right. The people that enjoy She-Hulk wouldn't necessarily enjoy Moon Knight. Uh, oh, you know, I agree. It, Very different they, audience. They, they've figured out that they have different audiences and they're trying to get different audiences. Right. And the people that would watch She-Hulk 
probably may not even realize there's a comic or care, but the people that watch Moon Knight did. That's, you know, my yeah, yeah. guess as to why. But, uh, you know, they're trying to do what's right for their shows. I agree. So. The fact that Marvel is canny enough to say, we can't have that every single comic book is about saving the universe. You know, the Avengers always <laughs> right. built up to who's the big bad. It's going to be Thanos or Kang or Ultron. And some things are, are like the, the scope of the comic book for Daredevil was fighting crime in Hell's Kitchen. It isn't galactic level type stuff. And the She-Hulk, boy, there was a really, I thought it was a great breakthrough. In comic books, Dan Slott, if I remember right, took over She-Hulk. And it really did have a much lighter tone, a humorous tone. It broke the fourth wall. It did all many of the things. I'm pretty, I'm certain that that's what the uh, TV version is based on. It's Dan Slott's yeah. version compared to the tragic, oh no, she got an infusion from the Hulk and now she's trapped it being a Hulk as well. Who wants to be a Hulk if you've seen the rampages that he's going on, but she's level-headed enough. She retains her smarts when she turns into the Hulk. There's, you know, and, and I don't know, it, it, I think that, Marvel said, hey, we want to have some gritty urban stuff and some galactic stuff. And how about a rom-com? How about a, you know what I mean? How yeah. about a kid version? You know what I mean? They, they, they're uh, inhabiting the market, every facet of that, because they sure have enough comic books that have done that. Spider-Man was not always dead serious. It was often kind of goofy as well as serious. And in fact, right. its ability to switch between those is one of the things that made the overall book and multiple series so appealing. Right. Was that you had all that, you know what yep, I mean? So, yep. anyway, okay. So, there's a lot coming out. Uh, you know, the okay. secret invasion with Fury, because that's where uh, Bruce Banner went. Right. And that's really going to be like a spy thriller. It's not going to yeah. be a lot of leotards <laughs> and, and uh, colorful costumes. It's going to be you're dealing with a menace that is shape shifter sneaky. Yeah. And you're finding out that they've penetrated further than you ever imagined that they could. Yes. What do you do as the guy who's supposed to be in charge of not letting this happen? Yep. You know, how do you hold and, the line? So and speaking of Daredevil, they released the uh the logo and you know announcement for that coming with Charlie Cox and okay. Uh so yeah, there's a whole lot, you know. I did just read some reference so that it'll be very much his battle with the kingpin, if I remember right. And it's season uh, four. Right. You know, it, oh. it it I'm looking forward to that because why well, am I missing his name? The, the, um, the guy who plays the kingpin does it so well. Oh, so um, Vincent D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio, exactly D'Onofrio. So I'm, I'm so much a good hero is only because he's got great villains. And you yeah. know what I mean? I just I, I just read someone who's going to play Luthor next on the Titans. And it's someone that I didn't immediately, I don't know that I've ever been convinced by a Luthor. Maybe the Luthor in Smallville young luther oh was he was fantastic brilliant and villainous not even villainous but like amoral you know what i mean so yeah. some of that but like gene hackman a little bit over the top yeah. um uh, jesse eisenberg didn't didn't uh yeah, scare me like luther should you know what i mean so I'm, I, I, I don't know why i'm blanking out but it was someone that was like okay could that work uh we'll see well it's it's a it's a name actor we'll see you know okay. just like i don't know the villain in moon knight ethan hawk Ethan Hawke has gotten better and better at not being a teen star, but being a real actor. You know what I mean? There's all kinds of people <laughs> in, the, in the Brat Pack. Well, you know, there's all kinds of Brat Pack people that, that have grown up. Just saw some photo where it was like, here's the guys from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And you would never have thought that 
Sean Penn, you know, this Spicoli would turn into an actor instead of just a burnout. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Well, because they were acting back then too. You know what I mean? Right, so, right. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of good stuff for you when you get done. And, you know, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about our clued up. And for the second year in a row, we have to pass on it. <laughs> but that's so that's good right. that they, they, they allowed you to defer it. That's so great. That's it. That's, yeah. you know, you were talking about the Sondor Hotel. And the bad customer service, you know, these clued up games, that's customer service for you. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, online, I had actually done this, but let me let me give Saunders some grace. The place was really nice when we right. were there in Philadelphia. It was really a great, uh, uh, you're going to be in a city for a week. It's really nice to have space, a working kitchen, you know, a, um, uh, uh, not just a hotel room. It's, it's much an upgrade from that. And whatever that thing was of, my having pre-bought it and then not being able to change it, uh, as I've said before, I, I don't mean to be unfair to them at all. The contract, if you will, this thing really says, this really is the reason that you're getting this little bit of discount is because it's set in stone and they don't care about your personal circumstance or business circumstance. None yeah. of that matters. You made the deal. And so to be fair have, to them, a yeah. lot of places do that and they say it up front. I mean, the flights are like that, you know, and other hotels do do it too. Do you want to pay now? Or okay. later, if you pay now, you get a discount. But if you cancel, you get less back. And you can get protection. They do offer that protection that That's you pay right. extra for. So it's how the world works. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Be fair to them. And I'm glad you yeah. enjoyed the hotel. I did. In fact, we, we I think I mentioned we had already made another reservation. We're going to the Just for Laughs Festival at the end of this month up in Toronto and got another saunder there because they just look so great. You know, there are, there are a beautiful older building that uh, upfitted button uh, to, to have better Wi-Fi and better security and all that kind of stuff. So, and the location can't be beat. We really are like two minutes from one of the clubs that's going to be having shows. We're 10 minutes from 10 different restaurants around us. So instead of being out of the city and taking the train in each day and then having to like, you know, count on, well, don't miss the last train out because that's going to be an expensive lift. Last train um, to Clarksville. <laughs> exactly. Leaving it stick. So I'm, I'm hoping that this will be much the same experience as we had in Philadelphia. And it wasn't cheap. You know what I mean? You, you pay for all that convenience. But I'm hoping that just that by not having to pay for the other hotel, the parking, the, the train trips in and stuff like that, and the experience, it's also like our 20th anniversary. It's coming up oh, on nice. the, the 21st of this month. And so sometimes you just get a little goofy and say, let's make this just right. Let's, you know, usually Kali and I are very good about finding the sweet spot of economy without being cheap and nice without being extravagant. And this time we might've tipped towards the nicer because we really want to have, I don't know, it's been a stressful year. You know what I mean? Taking care of mom and dad's stuff and yeah. and fragmenting my life to be out here a week. Then that means I'm not with Colleen for a week each month. We never would have imagined our life would be like that. I'm not a traveling salesman. I'm not a military guy that I go you know, stationed somewhere else for a while. And yet the circumstances have necessitated this. Yeah. So this will be a nice, getaway week for the two of us seeing all this comedy what we love to do you know hey we're going to toronto let's get some maple syrup and some pea meal bacon you know what i mean we're gonna we're gonna nice. canadian it up tim hortons here we go uh, tim know, hortons like, yeah exactly. <laughs> so I, I i was looking last night uh, uh, you mentioned a movie a while back i want to hear about it uh gray man which i haven't watched yet right. but before you do i was flipping through last night and there's a show out with Stallone called Samaritan, where he's an, a superhero from long ago, but mm -hmm. 
but he wants to bring his power. Basically, he looks like steel when when Superman split. He looks yeah, like steel, yeah. and it looks a lot like steel. Me and Colin agreed, but I liked it because it's one of many movies I've seen lately where they're focusing on the characters and heroes and stuff being older crowd. It's not always the young 20s. You know, Stallone's 75 or something like that. And he's being a superhero. So I I think there's a a definite trend in our stories, books and movies especially, to an older crowd, which, of course, appeals to me nowadays. (laughs) But, you know, Stallone's a superhero. Uh, Mm -hmm. But you mentioned Gray Man a while back, and that's been on my short list to go watch. uh, You know, because when I get the time tomorrow, it's like Joe's right. Crab Shack, free crab tomorrow. I'm going to have time tomorrow. I'll watch it. So what's <laughs> exactly. great, man, like? I really did like it. You know, Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans are the two, uh, you know, combating at the former assassin and, and current, like, kind of replacing him in that position. But they're, it's it was fast moving and lots of surprises, but none where it was like, oh, that makes no sense. It really was very good. Spycraft and locales and all that kind of stuff inspired me enough to go seek out the Gray Man books by Mark Gearney. And I'm now, I just finished the second one while, while I was here in California. Um, and one of those things where I like them enough that's like, let's buy all 10. You know what I mean? I, I committed. They got, um, they got good deals on Kindle for that nowadays in a series. I, I so. probably should be carrying a Kindle and then not having books with me. And yet, we we Colleen and I laugh about this all the time. That experience of just like yeah. relaxing for the last half hour, hour of a day in bed with a book on your chest, I just can't. It can't be improved. It I can have, be. It is not that much worse on a Kindle or anything like that. But is it because I like the smell of paper? Is it because I like the form factor of a paperback? What I you have, were saying about the technology—that's the technology when you were born and grew up. So it's hard funny. to get away from it. You know exactly. And and this is—I know we've talked about this, but. And, and Colleen, kind of like she's looking forward to seeing this come true like I am. It's, I not only have lots of stuff, I have been like a, a real bug about condition all of my life. And so when you look at my Doc Savages, my James Bonds, my Gray Mans, they look like I just took them off the bookshelf at the bookstore, but they're 50 years old. And so when I find my audience, not the eBay crowd, but the collector crowd, they're going to be like, man, how do you have the many colored land in perfect condition? Well, because I read them without pushing it all the way back and cracking the spine. And I don't read them while I'm eating Cheetos and getting orange <laughs> fingerprints on each page. I have always been careful because I like seeing things lined up on the shelf looking beautiful instead of yeah. looking kind of ragtag. You know what I mean? So I got so much stuff like that now is getting made into movies finally, but I got the original version of. <laughs> the Star Wars, the when when Star Trek the series was continued by James Blish, and then they actually started those to adapt good. Star Trek the animated series into books. I got all those, and doesn't have to be everybody in the world cares about that. But the people that really love those things and would love to have a perfect copy, I'm the guy that might be able to command a copy yeah. for not only my comic books but for my paperbacks. And nobody ever thinks that paperbacks, pocketbooks, have any kind of value except for that particular niche of. They want all the Doc Savages. They want all the Shadows and the Avengers and G8 and his Battle Ages aces. And you know what I mean? I, I just, um, I hope that that story is real. I hope that it really is that I find either through the mail or, on, of course, on the net and at a conference. Wow. I want to get people going, wow, I have not seen a copy as pretty as this in my entire life. It's like, <laughs> I'll just be yeah. such a grinner. I'll be so happy that all that love 
paid off kind of, and not paid off even in money, but just to find someone else to appreciate it to. So it goes to a good home. Yeah, <laughs> You know what I mean? That's part of being a collector is you kind of want it to be that this piece of history is maintained. And instead of selling it to a museum, you're going to give it to another collector who hopefully will love it like I did. Yep, absolutely. I don't know what that is in your DNA that makes you like that, that some people are maintainers in that way, but I definitely am one. I think it's a beautiful thing to see something pass the test of time and not get, you know, they get, you can get like still is beautiful, still is preserved. There's something really cool about that yeah uh, I, <laughs> yeah i just picked up some mad magazines at hartville flea market the other day that wow. were in super good condition you know and he yeah. wanted, uh, yeah. two for five bucks i'm like yeah of course they they were the super specials also not just a regular issue so That's you know very cool especially stuff. if they still have like the stickers or the they posters. did that's oh, why I, that's why fine, i was Stephen. the postcard do you find yeah. that that's cool yeah, I, I remember a long time ago at a Chicago Comic Con going through and back when I had wish list on paper and would go through various different things. And I found like a box under the table that was full of Mads that were, I think I started collecting with maybe number 132 or something like that, you know, mid 60s. And he went back lots of stuff between like 100 and then. And so then I'm, you know, one of those weird things when as a kid, you think you're playing it cool of like, so how much do you want for these? And inside you're going like, oh, oh my God, I need, need these books. It was very funny. And it actually was one of my first like bizarre experiences where we bargained, we haggled, we got to a price because I was buying so many and he was happy. I don't know how long they had sat in his box, but not that people have not always been as avid about mad magazines they are about comic books in general so i got treasure and he got the money that he wanted and i just was floating around because i had found so many mads in one place that i needed and then you know it's like wow i just expanded my list so that i'm like from 100 on instead of 130 it was just the coolest yeah. experience again collectors get that the rest of the world is like what are you what are you talking about it's a kids you know? magazine yeah yeah exactly yeah. and it's you know oh well i i'm sure there's been any number of times when you're trying to not let on that you really really <laughs> want this thing but you don't want to pay through the nose for it right and, colin, and you're reading each other you know what i mean colin <laughs> is so good at finding stuff at the flea mart he found a limited edition uh you know whatever but it was the 1960s Batman utility belt. And it was a cool. replica. And, you know, they, they, I guess they sold uh, brand new. They were 50 bucks, but they're going for like 100, 150. And he got it for 60. So he was just, and it was in the box still. Right. So not like had been worn and played with and dirt yeah. ground into it and stuff like that. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so he's good at rooting that stuff out. Let me tell yeah. you. So Gray Man's going to be on my list to watch and exactly. read, I guess. The, the um, Game of Thrones prequel is really good. Which, I think, I, I, <laughs> so, I think George Martin is more involved in it. Matt Smith is fantastic in it. Yeah, okay. So I tried watching Game of Thrones, and okay. I could not get into it. I tried several times. I'm like, okay, it's just not clicking with me. I'm not going to like force myself. Okay. I said, but let me try the books because Martin's huge, you know, in fantasy. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't really get into the books. I was like, it's kind of like the Bourne books. I couldn't get into those. Ludlow. Okay. I was like, yeah, these just aren't clicking with me. Okay. But I was like, okay, Game of Thrones, Dragons. Uh, it's I didn't watch the other. And then I'm like, Matt Smith. Oh, 
damn it, Matt Smith is in it. Now I'm going to watch it. He's got a Doctor Who pedigree. I yes. have to follow him. <laughs> he's my doctor. He's my favorite. Okay. So I watch a lot of, and he's been a bad guy a lot lately. Uh, he was, he was in the Morbius movie. He was a bad guy. And in this, and I'll tell you, he's written perfectly. He's not a bad guy. He is actually, he's, he's merciless and he's uh, uh, aggressive, but he has love for his family. And in some cases, he's been hard done by, by his family. He's being passed over to become the next king. He's being asked to do all the dirty work so everybody else can keep their hands clean. You know what I mean? It's like his, there's, you keep expecting him to kind of turn and say, that's too much. I won't do it. But he loves his sister. He loves his father, his brother, etc. You know what I mean? It, it is brother that is the current king. And so it's a very interesting take on that kind of like family loyalty that, uh, I don't know, he, but he's wonderfully menacing. And especially he's, um, I can see him in the role of Elric. I don't know how much you know of Michael Moorcock's works, but Elric yeah, of Valnibene yeah. is, you know, he's a, uh, an albino, very slender, just the opposite of like Conan, a brawler, a big, just a mountain. Which Elric guy. was in a Conan comic. He, right, exactly. But, you know, that's Smith has that. He's not dangerous because he's going to, you know, like punch you into a wall. He's dangerous because he's going to like knife you 10 times before you can move. He's, he's so like razor dangerous. And they capture that. You know what I mean? That the way he fights is very efficient and, and quick and you know before you can even think of how you put up a defense he's got that thing off of your margin you know what i mean so well, i don't know I'm, i may check I, it out <laughs> i'll add it to my list martin is more involved in these than he was the last couple seasons of the game of thrones thing it was more the showrunners that were doing it because they digressed martin was they got to the end of martin's books and then they continued the series without him having completed the series in print and i don't think he's divorced himself from it but you could tell he just was not as involved. He kind of said, here's my baby, do with it what you will, as opposed to he produced certain episodes. And I think he was executive producer and show consultant. But this, it's much more based on Fire and Ice, the prequel book. And I think he's seemingly more heavily involved because all of that stuff about how many of our favorite characters are we going to see die early? How many, you know, like he's really good about, there's not a big bad and a big good. There's 10 different factions competing for territory and, and magic and influence and is it going to be by power or by sex or by you know what i mean by information I, by it, there's he's really good at just having what it must have been like during the first of game of thrones is much based on the war of the roses and all of that court intrigue and i you know what did we go back before that it's it's very much based on there's always been too many European houses vying for advantage. Who's got the armada? Who's got the army? Who's got the spy network? Who's got the ninjas, if you will? And he's just really good at who's going to win. You don't know. It, it, <laughs> it's very, very good. I'm, nice. I'm entertained each episode. I hope that you like them as well. So. Okay. Well, I, I mean, it's almost <laughs> uh, fall. It is fall and winter. Uh, coming up that's more screen time more game playing and stuff and because i bought an xbox x a while back i mm. have to have a uh, game pass with it it's just part of the deal which okay. is a good deal if oh, you look no. at it the, the cost <laughs> is actually cheaper this way but um yeah. one <laughs> of the games they put on there is back for blood now i don't know if you've heard of this newer one i, I i'm kind of like I can play it on the Xbox, but I can now play it on my new computer with the three <laughs> screen. Mm -hmm. Back for Blood is made by the same people that did Left for Dead. 
So it's a cooperative against the hordes. And okay. my cousin has game pass. So I'm like, okay, we're 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 down for back for blood this winter. We're gonna be going out and shooting and a whole world to explore, all kinds of people yeah. to kill, kill, kill. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Left, I don't know. Have you played Left for Dead? I have uh, not. I I no. Because it, I, I'm not an Xbox guy and I don't know if it's available for all platforms. It's and on so Steam. If it's not it that is. I can Okay, then, then I will look into it. You know, it's it, it, just so you know, it's not so much a single player game. They do have you can play through it single player. It really okay. is a four person co op, and that's the best way to experience it. And okay. it's 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 simple. It, you start here, you're trying to get here and kill everything in between, and trying to help each other stay alive. There's no yeah. competition. There's no no any of that. You know, like some of the like DC deck builder where. Yeah, we're all kind of working together, but I'm trying to get more points than you are. It's all right. Let's all get to the safe house. What are we finally going to betray each other as opposed to no stay a team all the way right. through? <laughs> well, that's the thing. If somebody dies, they're not just out of the game. They just put them a little ways ahead in a safe room and you have to go let them out to save them. And they just keep yeah. going. So it really does cool. want you to cooperate. I've had some really good fun experience, game experiences with that because you're talking mm -hmm. to your friends, you're trying to get through, and it's horror. So you get scared or something, you get lost. You're like, oh no, there's zombies, and everyone's screaming <laughs> and stuff. You know, the only other time I've had that good of a co op experience was with Doom. And me and my brother in law would play Doom, and just, you know, there's a lot of bonding, a lot of fun times. So yeah, I'm really hopeful Back for Blood captures Left for Dead. They did uh, um, evolve a couple years ago, it was okay. the same company. Uh, most of the same people, it was co-op. You were hunters against uh, kaiju, essentially. Okay. But they they did some things, missteps, and it never caught on and just <laughs> kind of failed really quick. Whereas Left for Dead, there's still communities that play it. So Interesting. Okay. I'm you really know what? Hoping. It's honestly kind of like uh, embarrassed confession. I have never done things team-wise in all the various different online, the big MM, you know, M-Porgs, et cetera. I just, most of the time when I play, it's kind of like at 11 o'clock at night when I'm done with all the things I'm responsible for for the day, and this is my way of blowing off steam. Or I'm, Colleen's gone for the weekend. I'm like, what am I going to do? Fall into civilization for like 12 hours with a little right. trucker's friend next to me. So I don't have to, I, I, I love that some people have that experience of, hey, Tuesday night is uh, game night in World of Warcraft. Don't disturb me from seven to ten because me and my party are yeah. going in, and they got and they're not even you know uh, same town. They're like they've met friends and joined. We played in college and around still the playing. world, you know. Yeah. So just that one when it's seven o'clock her time, it's three in the morning somebody else's time, and and yet I don't know. I'm not a, an antisocial guy, but my habits for doing that have always not lent myself to. Tuesday night is World of Warcraft. Night. Right. Yeah, so, you know, it really might be that I need to do that. I just need to kind of go in. And if I, I don't know, I'm gregarious enough. And I'm pretty sure that if I don't know anybody after a while, I'd be like, hey, can I join your party? I, I'm not a jerk. I know enough. I got some cool, you know, uh, uh, armor and stuff like yeah. that. Well, I would hope that I'd be acceptable, not just a pod that they're going to carry along because I'm, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's cross platform. So okay. if I convince my cousin to play it, I'll let you know. And if you want to join in sometime, if you want to get the game and it, check it out, and we could all I would love to at party. least try, and then we'll see. You know, just that if, if 
have patience with me because I really, oh. I'm not experienced at having the headset <laughs> on, but you know, so much, boy, when we used to play Plato games at University oh, of Illinois, yeah. and they really weren't necessarily, some were interactive, like, um, not Orthanc, it doesn't matter. Some were solo, and maybe that's where I got my solo habits, but some were very interactive, and you they, you have to physically get together because the transport of all the chatter back and forth was not as good as being in the same room and the guy saying, okay, armor up, right. we're going in. You know, this, this is the frost giant, so we're going to use flame weapons. And usually there was a good leader that knew all that, and they had all kinds of uh, uh, macros, you know, key set things loaded so that right. instead of having to do shift three, four, it was, it was uh, ready to go with the fireballs or whatever else it might be. So I... I never found a good posse like that. The one time I was in, I was like two years um, behind them and they all graduated and like, well, what, what do I do now? <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. it was, it, I, I would love to have that experience because I've never, since the days of D&D in high school, when of course you were all sitting around the table right. and enjoying it together, I've, I've kind of been a hermit about it. And I, maybe because I do so many other things in a social way that that was, Bear with me because I hope you don't mind. Just why do you do that, Al? You know what? Because I really have a thing where I'm most of the time faster thinking ahead of what the world is doing, and not only in gaming, but in almost everything. And once in a while, what I really need is to not, though there's joy in being with your friends, what I need is to be able to just take this big, kind of crazy stallion of the brain out for a run where it doesn't have any encumbrance and sometimes right. encumbrances people as well as the games. Yeah. So sorry if that sounds arrogant, but there must be other people that have that, that just, you don't want to be cooperating with, dependent on working with anybody else. You just kind of want to do it. And then unfortunately that can become its own habit, maybe even an addiction of the need for speed. You know what I mean? I need to get my brain into an SST, not a well, well, <laughs> and, me oh, and my well. cousin, we, we definitely have a good time. Uh, talk a lot of smack against each other. And, of course. Uh, we like racing games too, but there's okay. a big argument between us. So his wife, Pam, I just call her cousin Pam. I've known her more of my life <laughs> than not, you know. Right. <laughs> but we play Need for Speed. Uh, and now Need for Speed is an arcade racer. So okay. the idea is... Uh, not the physics aren't all accurate there you know you want to win you want to race no weaponry it's just racing there yeah. are versions with some weapons but anyway so in the game they have shortcuts and you can take shortcuts if you find them they're not always okay. obvious and i'm not as good a racer as them they have spent way more time racing on the xbox than i have getting so the game mechanics down perfectly finding oh, out where everything is okay. absolutely yeah. so a lot of times when i'm racing i'll take a shortcut and it still keeps me behind but at least i'm closer and pam okay. is always on me like no you don't take shortcuts that's not racing that's cheating man i'm like why do <laughs> they put it in the exactly. game then i'm like if you want a sim <laughs> racer we'll go play forza that's a sim racer. And believe me, you're not going to enjoy Forza because the physics are very tight and accurate to the cars, you know. Right. So, and you'll spin out half the time until you get used to here's yes. how you really accelerate. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Unless you yeah. put on all the the uh cheat things that help you steer and all that. But that's okay. cheating as much as doing the shortcut. <laughs> See, honestly. <laughs> so I'm I'm curious, you know what I mean? Just that if you guys start to do the not left for dead the uh, back for blood and and are looking to like just let me let me get in 
absolutely. I, I hope I don't spoil the experience for you guys. You know what I mean? Well, I, I trust me. We okay. totally get the. This is more about hanging out and having fun than being super good. And a lot of these uh, compensate. So when you have really good players or really, uh, I don't want to say bad players, but not as good of players, that it, it doesn't harm the overall team. Uh, we like to play Titanfall a lot and we do a base defend thing and stuff and we're chatting. It's like, okay, you go over here and I see some coming and, oh, I'm dead. And But these games bring you back and you jump back in. So I could die right. 10 times and I'm still shooting. You know, I don't kill as many zombies or robots or whatever, but yeah, we're having a good yeah. time. And again, at the end, eh, we don't remember how many times people die. Well, I mean, they may not remember precisely. It's like, well, Okay, we'll play Titanfall. So, how many times do you think Steve will die this time? <laughs> but that's part of the Let's game. Get our cannon fodder out there, exactly. Yeah. So well, again, okay. uh, no worries about that. Trust me, your skills will be definitely good enough for us. Okay. And the game sounds way fun. So I might play it a little bit this week if I get some time, just to see it, how you know. Okay, this sounds is good. good. Let's do it. Okay. So we'll okay. let you know on that. So. All right. Well, hey, it is getting late. I do have to uh, busy day Same here. I got, I got things to do before we. Uh, OK, yeah, uh, a pleasure. We'll see you. in. I, so I'm let's see. Next Tuesday might be actually I'm I'm flying out on late Tuesday night. So we will be able to do the podcast during the day and I'll see you in a week then. Yep. Okay. See you Wednesday then. Very cool. All right. Later or Tuesday, whatever. We'll text. We'll okay, figure exactly. something out. <laughs> well, we, we, <laughs> All right, we, we are always easy to get a hold of. All right. Yeah. Take care. Bye bye. This has been the Relentless Geekery Podcast. If you enjoy our conversation, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and go give us a review. Give us some likes. It would help a lot. Check out our website, RelentlessGeekery.com, where we have links to our Facebook page, Join the Conversation, and go check out our YouTube page, where we have the video of this and other episodes. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.